All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is my own personal privacy paradox. You can just basically find out people's names and addresses and voter registration. Someone out there is really intensely tracking my internet usage. How are we affected by these ethical obligations when using technology? Help me find even a modicum of privacy somewhere in this information age. It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. I'm Anoush Zamarodi, and this is day three of The Privacy Paradox, our five-part plan to help you take back your digital identity and yourself. The goal of this week is to help you understand more about where your information goes, weigh the trade-offs, and make digital decisions that you can feel good about. On day one, we talked about what our phones know and how metadata works. Day two, we dove into advertising and how our online identities get created and then tracked. You can still sign up to get the extra guides and tips and behind-the-scenes stuff that we're including in our daily newsletter this week. Go to privacyparadox.org. So for the next two days, we're going to change tack a little bit. We've examined how some of the technology works, and now we need to examine how you operate and why we can't talk about digital privacy without getting into the psychological and philosophical side of the discussion. Today, day three is called Something to Hide. You've heard people say it. If the government wants to read my emails, let them. I've got nothing to hide. But privacy is more complicated than that. Sometimes... It's just about protecting a very intimate experience. Like what happened to music professor Robert Bearfield when he was on vacation with his partner a couple years ago. I had a wonderful partner and we traveled a lot all over the world. Great times together. But unfortunately, in Cambodia at the end of a fabulous two-week trip, he collapsed at a, the most famous tourist spot in Cambodia, the, the third level of the Angkor Wat. That's a famous temple there. Robert's partner had a heart attack, and he died. And as if that wasn't horrific enough, when Robert was back home a couple months later, he Googled his partner's obituary and got this shock. On the Google search page, they'll have those little, like, thumbnail photographs. And I almost couldn't believe my eyes. And there was a picture of Steve, and I know it very well because it was the next day in the hospital morgue because I made them let me see him there. Robert asked Google to have the photo of his partner lying in the morgue removed from the search engine. He didn't think that the public needed to see this photo that he found so upsetting. He wanted the right to be forgotten, 
a right that Europeans have, but Americans don't. The European court ruled in 2014 that if someone asks Google to remove a link, Google has to do it, as long as that information is no longer relevant to the public. Forgetting used to just be part of the human experience. And now the line has to be drawn between free speech, what the public has a right to know, and personal privacy, things that we don't want the public to know. And Google has to decide where that line gets drawn. But morals can't be automated. Not yet, anyway. So Google brought on someone as sort of an in-house ethical advisor, Oxford philosophy professor Luciano Floridi. I think they, deep down, they have a sense of trust and faith and sort of strong belief in the goodness of technology. And you have to take that into account because sometimes that sort of bumps into other issues that maybe the engineer hasn't quite considered, for example, privacy. With help from Luciano, so far Google says it has scrubbed around 780,000 URLs, including the photo of Robert Bearfield's partner in that morgue. Google wants to do the decent thing, Luciano thinks. Deep down, maybe a little bit too deep sometimes, but we are good animals. (laughs) We are animals that care about other animals. Trouble is, humans may be caring animals, but we can't always predict the unwanted side effects of the technology we build. And the algorithms, you could say, are making it harder for us to hide things, those private things, those intimate moments. They're getting really good at knowing us and anticipating what we'll do, how we'll think, what we want. Last year, researchers from the University of Cambridge and Stanford did a study finding that Facebook may know people's personalities better than their best friends or their partner or even themselves. Is it okay that the people making our technology could build it to make us feel a certain way without our knowledge? I tried out an online tool that these Cambridge researchers built. It's called, and I love this name, Apply Magic Sauce. They've spun off their tool into a company that offers businesses what it calls instant psychological assessments of your users, so you can offer real-time feedback and recommendations that set your brand apart. So they also have a version for regular people to try out, like you and me. So try it today. This is your challenge. Go to applymagicsauce.com and click the Predict My Profile button. And then you can choose to be predicted by your Facebook profile or from a scrap of text that you've written. So I cut and pasted some of the script from actually this very podcast. And it said that I was likely between the ages of 30 to 39, which is flattering. And then I am the epitome of masculinity. (laughs) Same thing with the text from half a dozen emails that I'd written and I tried out. It also put me low on the neuroticism scale. Nah. And it found me 94% more hardworking and organized than the rest of the population. Okay, that part might be right. But anyway, I mean, are those things true? Or is that just how I'm presenting myself to the world? What is the real me? Like, I'm not sure, but I feel weird that companies can read not just what I write but what they think is hiding between the proverbial lines. Why does it feel so invasive? 
I mean, it's not like I have something to hide. It is not about hiding something wrong. It is something about managing and sort of having a delicate touch with things that you want to share only with some people, not others. That's what I'm worried about when people say, oh, I have nothing to hide. A life without shadow is a flat life. Not just flat. Maybe you're trying to figure out something deeply integral to your identity, like your religion or sexual orientation or politics. Those private things have been held against people in the past. And consider the temporary U.S. ban on travelers from certain Muslim-majority countries. Do you think that Europeans, where they have some of the strongest privacy laws, see that idea of self differently than Americans? There's a cultural difference, and the cultural difference is also historical. In Europe, we have seen the horrors that are unspeakable. And therefore, anything that even vaguely resembles that, the intervention of the state or big sort of agents into the privacy of individuals is immediately seen as something trespassing a threshold that that it shouldn't. So today, just use cash and typewriters. Kidding! No, today, think about what your computer knows about you and what you might not want it to know. And try applymagicsauce.com. Tell us what you learn about yourself. Is it interesting? Is it unnerving? Is it even accurate? Are you okay with being known like this by the computer? Or do you feel like a little piece of your soul has been trod on? Maybe not. Remember, this week is about finding out where you draw the line with what you're okay with. And all of our lines are going to be in different places. Record a voice memo on your phone and email it to note to self at WNYC.org. Let us know how it goes today. We are also in plain view on Facebook and Twitter. For a more private conversation, we are also on the texting app Signal. Just add note to self to your contacts. Our number is 646-463-1394. That's 646-463-1394. And since day one, we have been exchanging encrypted text messages with hundreds of you already, which is kind of awesome. Okay, tomorrow, day four, the executive producer of The Bachelor is with us. Yeah. And we are talking about how people's behavior changes when they know they're being watched. I'll see you then. The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Kat Aaron, and Joe Plourd. Many thanks to Megan Cunane and all the other WNYC people giving us a hand this week. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Trouble is, humans may be caring animals, but we can't always guess what the unwanted side effects of the technology we build can be. What? (laughs) No. (laughs) What's another word for predict? The thesaurus. Oh, man. Conjecture. (laughs) Forecast. Yeah.